So we are talking today about Interfaith Ministries. Yeah. So I didn't realize Interfaith's been open since 75, is that correct? Mm-hmm. We were formed in 1975 by representatives of the faith community who wanted to establish a place where folks could go in our community, a centralized location, if you will, who were in need of assistance. Because at that point in time, um, pastors had to spend a lot of their time, um, you know, seeing how they could help people or how they could refer them out. And so when representatives of all different faith communities to include, you know, Protestant um, as well as the temple came together and felt like they could form something that would be ecumenical, who could serve people of all beliefs and be supported. That was, it was as much about serving as providing an opportunity for those different faith communities to have somewhere they knew they could support where people could be um, taken care of. And that was really how Interfaith Ministries was started. Um, And it began early with one unpaid executive director. um, That was Nan Christian. And um, as the community, as our community has grown and sometimes lessened in size as well, the needs of the community have changed. So as that continues, what Interfaith does changes because it was established to meet whatever those needs of the community were. I love that. And I know that you've offered so many different programs over the years, but what what are you kind of offering nowadays? Today, and again, it kind of changes in accordance to what is going on within our community and our time. If you think of Interfaith as an umbrella, we have seven different seven different ways under our umbrella that folks can get out of the rain, if you will. So seven different programs that we actually run here. Um, a lot that people are aware of, like lots of folks know about Meals on Wheels. We deliver hot meals that are diet specific for folks who are homebound or who can't prepare their own meals. We do that every day. About 90 meals a day go out. We also have a free dental clinic for adults who are uninsured um, that operates one day a week. RMC provides space for us to actually have that clinic and dentists um, provide their time for free. Through that clinic as well, we serve the inmates of the county jail. That's where they come to receive service. We also have a community garden for folks who just have a need to kind of be outside and maybe as my grandmother would say, get their hands in the dirt. And, and take care of all their woes by digging. That was what she would say. And it's been a great um, a great thing. We wish it were more, more utilized by people. We find that the folks who use it, um, which there's nothing against this, but are folks who have a great life and they just want something else to do. So the produce that actually comes out of that garden because they don't need it, we are able to tithe to the soup bowl and they are able to use that to cook with, or we actually deliver free fresh vegetables to our Meals on Wheels recipients who receive their meals for free because we know they're on a limited income. So we still take the produce out of it. Um, You know, you wish that could be a bigger thing that you could really teach folks that it's a way that they can impact what their finances are and their health by growing things. But it's a great, it's right here on the corner by Interfaith. We also have a long-term prescription assistance program called Senior Rx, but it is not just for seniors. 
Um, for folks who have Medicare who might fall into what's called the donut hole, which that means they've used up all their um, resources for the year of Medicare and they're not going to pay for their medications, they can come through that program. For folks who are uninsured, they can come through the program. People who have insurance but it doesn't cover the medications they need or the copay is too high, they can come through that program. Um, it is a tremendous program that offers availability to most people that you know. There are people around you, I guarantee you, who could benefit from using that program. And the great thing about that program is all it costs interfaith is what I pay the person to um, administer the program because what we're able to do is access free medications through pharmaceutical companies and through other companies who provide medications at very low cost, but it takes an inordinate amount of paperwork. The normal person is not going to be able to generate the paperwork and all the numbers and stuff that they need. And Kathy Gaines, who administers our program, is an expert on that. So for folks who come in here who may... Um, I had a young lady about six months ago who um, she was a college student and she had insurance, was in college, you know, still on her parents' payroll, if you will, but she needed a medication that was going to cost $900 a month. That was the copay. It was a very specialized bladder medication. Well, you know, if you're in college and your parents are helping to pay for your college, Mine didn't have 900 extra when I was in college. Right. <laughs> so she qualified for that program, and we were able to get that medication for free for her. We were able to talk to the pharmaceutical company and make that happen. So even though it's called Senior Rx, it's really for everybody. Um, last year alone, we, we brought over $5 million worth of free medications into our community for people who otherwise would not have um, received medications. It's very powerful. It's a very tangible way that cost us a minimal amount of money to provide assistance to people. Um, we also have, everybody hears about, they think that we serve, we're, all we do is homeless, and that's our open door program. In our agency, for those of you who may have been in our agency, it looks like a suite of offices, but we have this great boardroom that we only use every other month. And when we moved into this space 12 years ago, we wanted to, you know, you want to utilize all that space. You don't want to just have something that lies fallow that you dust every week. And so we kind of realized quickly that that could be a place for folks to actually be, for lack of a better word. They, folks who are um, homeless, folks whose homes aren't heated during the day, you know, may not be the best place to be for folks who are not safe at home. And so we created our open door program. And on Monday and Thursdays, we allow folks to shower here. We provide everything that they need for a good, safe, hot shower. The toiletries, the towels, we have clothing here for them to put on when they take the shower. And they're able to be in our big room, which is what we call our boardroom now. It's the big room. Um, there are phones in there for them to use. We have hot coffee and breakfast every morning. We send them out every afternoon when we close down with um, like little dinner snack bags, sandwich bags, if you will. And um, we allow them to receive their mail here because for folks who... Uh, may have issues with permanent housing or they're transient. They need a place where they can receive their mail. So we have a mail system, a filing system here where people can um, have their mail come here and receive it. Um, and it's just a place to be. COVID has affected our ability to allow as many as we would like to be here, but we're still able to um, 
they're still here. We've it looks different than it did pre-COVID, mm-hmm. um, but I still have people sleeping here. Um, and when it rains, we have folks who want to come here to be out of the rain. And when it's hot, they want to come in here to be cool. It's been especially especially important as we have navigated since March through the pandemic, because when everyone else closed down we remained open. And for folks who were transient or underhoused, those were the places, the library and McDonald's and stuff like that, that they would go to be safe during the day. And so we were really the only place they had to be. So we've kind of created a, um, they have to sign in and they get a certain amount of time that they get to go in there. So everybody gets a chance to have their time and, and be out of the elements and out of the weather. When it's nice weather, it's not a big deal, but we know as we come upon winter that we're going to be facing a lot of different things. Yes, we, we're very aware the last couple of days on these brisk mornings what winter's going to be like for us. And then our last program that we have um, is a, our emergency assistance program which through that program, we're able to meet people where they are in crisis. For, and crisis looks different for different people. It could be they have a utility disconnect that we can help with. It could be that they need a prescription, that first prescription purchased. It could be that they need tires on their car, because I have bought tires before. could be that they need identification. Crisis is different for different people, and that emergency assistance program offers financial assistance to people in crisis. What it is not is a bill pay program. Um, So we're going to help people look at what their finances are. We're going to decide whether whether we should help because not everyone that comes in here um, is going to be we're going to be able to help because if we pay that bill and we know that next month they're not they're still going to be in the same boat then what we're going to do is work with the right place to try to find them some kind of housing that does work or a situation that meets what their financial abilities are. So um, it's not always a yes but it's always a look. And it's always a collaborative effort to see how we can help them. And finally, Christmas Clearinghouse, which is a Christmas assistance program that we provide. Um, We do interviews for that to help folks with children. Um, And we are doing that this week and next week, actually doing the interviews. We work with the Salvation Army and interview all the people that they place on their angel tree as well. So there's a lot going on in this small suite of offices. And that's in addition to all the other things that kind of crop up during the day. It's a fun place to be. Sounds a lot like the chamber. There's never a dull moment. There's never a dull moment. I know. You, uh, on that list of questions you sent me, one said, if you could say one thing about interface, what would it be? I would be variety. <laughs> I completely understand. There's always never know. characters. Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, gosh, I mean, the sheer scope of what you guys do, it's it's such a blessing and it's, it's just mind blowing. It really is. It really is. And when you, sometimes I have to kind of pitch myself because interfaith, um, we've talked about all that we do. I mean, last year we had over 11,000 people that we provided assistance for. We had over 30,000 people who walked through the door of our agency. And that is with six part-time employees. There's no one that's full-time here in our agency, but we have all these great volunteers. You know, it's an opportunity for people to do something as an expression of their faith. It's the volunteers who oversee the showers. It's the volunteers who serve as our um, front desk reception people. Volunteers deliver all the meals. Volunteers do all of the data input. 
volunteers come up with a lot of the great ideas that we have here. They're the ones that help us solve things or they'll come in and say, hey, I thought of something. What do you think about this? And the staff here is so willing because everybody's just, they're all helpers. That's what they want to do. But it's amazing. Um, about two years ago, I got a grant for a data management program. And with that data management program came a coach who helped me, helped coach me into creating a management system for us. And when I told him how things worked around here, he goes, well, I'm just going to tell you that shouldn't work. <laughs> You're like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I said, believe me, I know every day I go home and I'm like, I can't believe this thing works as well as it does. He said, it shouldn't work out. It just shouldn't work. What you're doing should not work. Cause he said, you don't have all these things in place. I said, I know, isn't it great? It's faith. <laughs> yeah, you just got to make it work. <laughs> you just got to come in and kind of be okay to how it's going to work out. <laughs> so, yeah. And what you said about volunteers, um, I think about, it's the curse of knowledge, you know, so when you, when you're in something all the time, it's hard to see that outside perspective. So when you bring up the volunteers, they're not around all the time. They've got that outside time to like get the gears spinning a little bit. Like, Hey, you know, I know that we do this. What if we did this? And you're just like, I, I don't know why we haven't done it that way. Well, that's exactly so much more I mean, sense. <laughs> about, it was about 10 years ago when we decided to, remove the position. We did have a paid position as the receptionist and we decided that we were going to remove that position as a paid position and put volunteers up there because we really wanted to spend more money on assistance to people. And we had had folks saying, I would like to volunteer. And so we felt like that was a real intentional place where folks could volunteer. Oh yeah. The best thing we ever did because of exactly what you said, it removed us from that immediate interaction from that um, getting burned out of being up front because the front is so busy mm -hmm. and it allowed us to really kind of blossom in what it was we did. But for them to come up with these great ideas on how we could solve problems or what our procedures could be that were different um, and how we could do things in a better way that was far more effective for the folks we were serving, but for us as employees as well. Mm -hmm. It's hard to step out of that, you know, like staff hat and try to see things from a different perspective. But we're so fortunate to have people that care about our missions <laughs> that can see oh. those things. Yes, who want to be a part of it, mm -hmm. who, you know, talk about how important it is to them. And even through the pandemic, we've had a lot of our volunteers who have chosen not to be a part of it. And we understand that. But then we've had a lot of new volunteers who have said, I'm looking for a place to be. Can I come in and work? I'm okay um, with being there because we never closed throughout the pandemic. We stayed open. It was really hard. I'm not going to lie for a little while when I didn't have any volunteers, <laughs> but um, you know, we've got volunteers that are coming back in and they'll tell you how, fulfilled they are when they leave here um, by being able sometimes just to be in conversation with folks who are in need and to be that kind of that little light for them. Oh my gosh. I know that um, volunteering has always been close to my heart and I unfortunately I'm with the pandemic I can't be out there as much as I would like to for the same reasons where I have people around me that I, I have to keep safe that are if they got sick, I don't know how it would go. So I know. I understand. Fortunately, <laughs> I've had I've chosen to donate and things. Are there other ways that the community can help if they weren't able to volunteer? 
Sure. And that's um, kind of how we've reached out on our social media presence and on our website as well, but um, on our Facebook. We talk a lot about things, ways people can help if they can't volunteer. Um, and we'll put out a wish list for Amazon or if something comes in, a, a real specific need that a client might have, we put that out on Facebook. We've had a lot of people respond because... Um, one of the big th needs we saw as a result of the pandemic was um, that folks quit feeding, like in Zen Park or having weekend meals. Mm -hmm. All those completely disappeared. So you had the soup bowl serving a hot meal five days a week, but you really didn't have anything on the weekend. And we um, talked to some of our local churches about that, and Oxford First Methodist really stepped up to the plate. And they have been throughout the pandemic providing us with about 150 sandwiches a week that they come in and make. And so on the weekend, when we send folks out on Thursday or and Friday, we actually, even though we're closed on Friday, usually we're kind of up here taking care of some people anyway. Um, we've been using those sandwiches to feed people on the weekend. And um, other people donate things like Vienna sausages, um, Beanie Weenie, Pop-Top individual serve can things yeah. that folks can eat that don't require any kind of heating or anything. And we've been able to put those in there and take care of a lot of the people out here who otherwise are not eating on the weekend with the lack of resources. And I understand that. I'm, I'm not pointing a finger at anyone. I understand. It was kind of up to us as a community, though, to figure out how to solve it. And that was one of the ways that we did. And it was through that social media community and our email. We email a lot of folks that they were able to respond to that. I know, you know, usually United Way even has the day of action, and I, I've been wondering about how those families are going to be impacted or our children. I know a lot of the schools, they received federal funding as far as yes. being able to feed them maybe even through, I think I've seen maybe through May to next year in some places. That's it, yeah, Which through next summer, they're going to be able to feed feed the kids. Um, and I think the food banks have responded very well. And our agencies here in our community, like um, the Community Enabler, the Center of Concern, JCOC in Jacksonville and the Piedmont Benevolent Center, and then um, Hearts, which is in Cleburne County, okay. they have all been great about feeding people. Um, and that that is great. They're feeding the people who can get to them. It's those that can't get to them. Um, that we have to think about. And, and in downtown Anniston, you do have a pot of people who, who may be homeless or who may live close enough that they can walk, that they were used to that. That was a part of their budget. If you, you know, that was their budget was they would go to the park or whoever was had a hot meal, whatever church had a hot meal. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's so stressful. It, and I feel like the pandemic has only complicated things that we may have already been facing as a community. Mm -hmm. but, uh, well, yeah, it's really made aware, I think, to some people in our time, our downtime, mm -hmm. what exists out there. And all of our downtime has not been bad, for me anyway. Yeah, it's I think there's definitely positives. Mm -hmm. It's been an opportunity for growth and for our agency as well. I mean, not only have we had to adjust the way we serve people and, of course, the way we sanitize our agency, but it allowed us uh, opportunity to look at how we receive information from clients. And so we've streamlined a few things and offered that um, in a different way to people. Um, like they can complete their application for assistance online and we can access that. So they don't have to come in and actually fill it out in front of us or take the time. It lessens the time they're in our agency. 
So, and we wouldn't have ever considered that had we not been faced with, okay, how can we do business? How can we stay open? Because we all want, all of us wanted to stay open and how can we stay safe for us and for them and for our community? So as far as speaking about positives from the pandemic, I know that you've had some new things you've had to implement, things you've had to change. Has your favorite thing about working at Interfaith changed at all? Oh, no. My favorite thing is always that it's different every day (laughs) and that it renews my faith in our community every day because every day is different. I never know who's going to come in here and need um, and what their story is going to be, but who's going to come in here because they've been led to provide something for us that we need. Um, I have volunteers from Sacred Heart, and they're doing interviews for Christmas Clearing House right now. Um, you know, and I, they called me in there a minute ago, and they went, now this young lady, we're going to have to do something about that they had interviewed with a child. That, I mean, just every day, I I will say that I never go home that I'm not amazed at our community and their responsiveness to people in need. And can the community, can we donate online through your website? Yep, you can donate online through our website um, and you can watch Facebook. We'll have, if you don't want to donate financially, but you want to donate in-kind items, things that we ask for. Um, we've always, we're always asking for underwear. That seems to be a big thing because folks take showers and put on clean underwear. Um, we're always looking for um, coffee and all the, the things that go with coffee because we serve two big coffee urns. I think, what is that? Probably five, five gallons of coffee in each urn. So we serve about 10 <laughs> gallons of coffee a morning. Um, we're always looking for the things that go with that, for, with coffee. Um, we're always looking for um, T-shirts. We ask a lot. We're, we tell the runners club and groups all the time for folks who get a lot of T-shirts. When you don't want your T-shirts that are in fairly good shape, send them to us. And we can reuse those for people when they take showers because they like to put on clean clothes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand that. <laughs> Getting home, taking that shower, and pajamas yeah, immediately. That's it. I mean, <laughs> what's better? And they're down there taking a good, hot, safe shower. They want to put on clean clothes too. <laughs> but our big need has is always coffee because we serve that. So that's all the things that go along with it: creamer, sugar. Um, stirrers, cups, you know, you don't realize how much you spend on cups until you start giving out 50 or 60 cups of coffee a day. A lot of things, um, trips. <laughs> that is exactly. It's where I'm headed when I leave work today. There you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, those kind of things are the big things that we're going to need. And the individual foods like that are protein, like cheese crackers, um, Slim Jims, Beanie Weenies, those kind of things. Or bottled water. Bottled water is always huge because we give tons of bottled water out. All right. Well, April, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. I wanted to say that we can help support you or the community can do. We're thankful for you guys, for the chamber support and for our community. Um, You know, our agency really wouldn't exist if it weren't for the community that continues to be a part of us and support us financially and in kind and with their time and their talents here. So thank you to the chamber for promoting all that. It is our pleasure, April. All right. Well, thank you. I hope you have a great week. You too. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye.